Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Field and Garden Podcast. Tucker and I are here together, so you may hear him doing a little jingling with his collar. He's, um, I think he's going to be waking up from his nap this morning. After we have breakfast at like 5.30 in the morning, he goes down for a little siesta after he's been out to powder his nose bark at the paper person, visit with his neighbor, Harley. Then he comes back in for a nap. And that's kind of where we are right now. And friends, it is March 1st. Where did the winter go, right? So I was thinking about what's going to be happening here on the farm this week. And I just decided to jump on here and share with you guys um, kind of what our experiment continuation of Pushing the Envelope on Sunflowers is all about. So for any of you that may not be aware of, you know, sunflowers, growing sunflowers here on our little urban farm really helped us to turn the corner in our business. And it wasn't just the sunflowers physically themselves. It was the mindset and the thought of the way to bring sunflowers into our business, to have them consistently each and every week because they were an in-demand cash crop and just what that did for me. And then I started applying that same analogy to other crops that were, you know, people wanted them all the time and sometimes I had them and sometimes I didn't. So I've already gone down a rabbit hole, y'all. But sunflowers really changed it for me. Back when um, I first started speaking at conferences to to flower farmers, um, perhaps one of the messages that I loved bringing the most was telling the story of how I was able to purchase um, a tractor and the implements that went with it, kind of that whole story. So what happened for me was, you know, I was, I went to Oklahoma to an ASCFG, that's an associational Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, which is y'all just like the most amazing educational organization. Cost a couple hundred bucks a year and it is the best money you will spend on your business. Anyway, I went to Oklahoma for a conference and back then that was pretty much our only way of kind of really networking very efficiently. And I learned about sunflowers succession there from Vicki Stanback and how she planted a thousand every single week. Well, when I came home and I we then of course toured her farm and heard all about her business as well as all the classes that we had. But I came home with the mindset that I wanted to be able to do that. I mean, and at the same time I learned from Pamela Arnowski about how doing supermarket um, mixed bouquets was just like a great meat and potatoes to your business. So I came home with all this rolling around in my mind, right? And the problem that I had previously had with growing sunflowers was I could plant them and I could cut them, but it was flipping the beds that was such a darn challenge, right? I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to wrestle sunflower stalks out of the ground, but it was not a job for the faint at heart. I did all kinds of crazy things. Um, Of course, because I didn't have a tractor back then with a tiller and different things on it. Um, I mean, we tried pulling them out. 
We tried getting them out with my walk behind eight horse tiller. We did all kinds of crazy things. You know, I mean, I'm talking 15 years ago, y'all, 15, 16, 17 years ago. Anyway, I came back and thought, I've just got to find a way to be able to plant sunflowers every single week, to be able to be cutting them every single week, to be able to have mixed bouquets. I mean, you can float a mixed bouquet business on having sunflower successions to beef up all the other stuff that you have to go with it. Well, right at that, not long after that time, um, my good friend Amy of Amy's um, Organic Garden, Amy and her husband George are big-time vegetable and flower growers. Um, They're like in their 20th year, super successful, full-time farmers, um, just a great model for you to, let me just write that. I'll, I'll be sure to include her, um, social media links in the show notes so you can follow along with Amy because she and George are just a great snapshot of doing it. They're not out doing a bunch of other stuff like me and other people have done, right? She, they are farmers markets and a CSA are their big outlets. Anyway, I went up to Amy's not long after that to pick up something, and her husband, George, said, i got to show you something. And he shared with me um, their new bed maker, which is an implement that goes on a tractor that they have, and he has a big tractor. He said, but look at this, Lisa, and he showed me the catalog, and they had a small version. It's called the mini um, bed layer, and he said, you have got to get one of these. You've got to get one. Well, the the back story on that is, is that back in this time, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people would say to you, there's no way you can justify buying a piece of equipment um, that costs that much. You're too small. You know, you're a flower farmer on like, like an acre and a half. You know, you just couldn't do it. Well, George convinced me that it was the best thing he ever did on his farm as far as totally able to do two to three times the work um, with a micro amount of the labor needed. So that got me looking. I found out about, you know, that there was a John Deere version. I don't even know if they still make it. It was the largest compact tractor that they made, and that meant that the body of the tractor was shorter, so it turns tighter. So I investigated that tractor along with the mini bed layer, and I will tell you guys that I took the plunge and bought a John Deere, $31,000, and the implements that I thought I needed, a tiller, um, and we got a plow, and then I ordered the bed maker. And I will tell you that in my first year of full season of selling mixed bouquets to supermarkets, farmers markets, and to florist, my John Deere tractor made it possible for me to flip beds fast enough to be able to incorporate succession planting of sunflowers into my system. And I mean, you can do the math, 26 weeks of 1,200 stems a week, and the wholesale price back then was about a buck twenty-five a stem. Um, you know, I paid for all that John Deere and that that all that equipment in almost one in like in one year, right? So, sunflowers changed the course 
of my business, but they did more than that, right? I mean, then everything just kind of snowballed on it. So I want to tell you a couple of things before I tell you about the continuation of the experiment that I've done is, and I'll put it in the show notes, you can request my webinar, Sunflowers for the Wind, which really kind of just takes you through and shows you, you know, how I do all of this. Um, And the other thing is that, you know, when the pandemic broke out in March, was it March of 2020 or 2019? Y'all, I've totally lost track. Anyway, what... I started doing when the pandemic broke out and we sent everybody home, meaning my staff, because, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I took over Bobo's job of the weekly sunflower sewing. And I started doing that on a Facebook Live. It was like Meet Me on the Porch was the name of it each week. And it was my way to have a chit chat with folks and to talk to you guys and to have some interaction. Um, So you can go back on my Facebook page, um, which you can, the link is always in the show notes too, and scroll, go to the videos and scroll back. And I mean, every week for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, for a couple years in a row, I did that. So you can also check out and have more um, with that. So my experiment started, um, I think that started in 2020. Um, One of the things that I realized really long time ago was that when I would be out walking around on the farm on those particular years that we had a warm early spring, I would see sunflowers that had self-sown themselves from whatever source that were like two or three inches tall weeks before my last frost date came in spring. And it made me think, well, shoot, if they, you know, are out here growing in the garden facing cold nights and warmer days, I should be able to get my transplants out here even earlier. And that really started me, um, you know, so we start our sunflowers, our sunflower successions are rooted in that we start them in 128 plug trays and we then um, warm them up, whether you have a, a really warm place to put them or on a seedling heat mat or a germination chamber, whatever, they definitely germinate quicker and faster when you warm them up. We warm them up to germinate them and then they quickly would get moved outdoors Um, on an open porch to grow on. So we could grow just a lot of them. I mean, when we were doing 1,200 a week, that was 10 trays of 128s. You quickly get a lot of trays when it's week after week, and you're not planting them until they're two to three weeks old. So that means you almost always have at least three weeks in the, you know, not planted. So you have like 30 trays that have to be sitting somewhere, right? So you have to figure out your system. Field and Garden Podcast is honored to be partnering with the Growing for Market magazine. They have been publishing practical ideas and information for direct market flower and vegetable growers for over 31 years. All the articles are written by farmers who get their hands dirty and know what they're doing. The magazine is still on the same mission as when the Flower Farmer book author Lynn Bozinski founded this magazine back in 1992 to connect growers with the best ideas from other growers. There is dedicated flower content in every magazine. 
a decade's worth of back issues and over 1,600 archived articles from writers like Aaron Benzenkang, Gretel Adams, Pamela and Frank Arnowski, and Jonathan and Megan Leese, all available on the website. With 10 new issues every year available on paper, digital, or both, you're guaranteed to find something to fine-tune your farm and growing for market. So if you do farmer's markets, CSA, farm stands, pick your own florist sales, or wholesaling, whether you're a commercial grower or you just want to grow like one, subscribe to Growing for Market for the nitty-gritty details of growing, marketing, and the business of local farming. And I have a special offer for you. Use the coupon code WORKSHOP to get 25% off any subscription to the original Farmer to Farmer magazine at growingformarket.com. So I started starting my sunflowers earlier and earlier. And so I can get them earlier and earlier because I tell you a challenge that we face here um, because again, you guys know or remember that I have no hoop or greenhouses, right? So I don't have a place to grow so many of um, stuff to get them to bloom even earlier than they would out in the field. So I am field and garden growing, thus the name of my podcast, y'all. Um, I'm field and garden growing everything. So in my effort to get focal flowers, because I have a lot of cool flowers coming on, right? But so many of them are not truly that zinnia, round disc, flower type of flower is what we're hungry for. Well, y'all, intro, sunflowers. So I thought, all right, I'm going to start planting them earlier and earlier. And I knew that they would have to be hooped and covered on planting, you know, to help protect them from the wind, make the most out of the sun. And I also, for those early plantings, would also plant them into the Black Bio 360. Once the season gets rolling, we don't even plant sunflowers into film beds. We just plant them into open beds because they have such a short growing time in the garden, which the way um, the webinar that you can request in the show notes, Sunflowers for the Wind, um, tells you all about that. But on this experiment, I did plant them into black film just to help, you know, with a little bit more heat. So I got to thinking about this and we put it into action the last two seasons. And y'all, guess what? I have had sunflowers for Mother's Day. Huge coup. Not only when I was selling to commercial growers, I mean, farmer customers, y'all can't even think. My commercial customers were lapping them up like honey, y'all. But as also for our bouquet making, for our members-only market, for our supermarkets, for our farmer's markets, for every market we had, you just could not have them enough. So um, the first year, I planted them out a week or two before my last frost. And then this last year, I planted them out even earlier, which brings me to this year. So it's March 1st, my last expected frost date, historical last frost date is mid-April. So I'm starting my first sunflowers this week um, on Thursday. 
And I will do that on my Facebook Live um, this week. And, you know, in the hopes of now what you have to keep in mind, friends, because, you know, what happens is after this will get published, people in zones. Now, I am in zone. Doesn't really matter what zone I'm in. It's all about your frost date, y'all. My last expected frost date is mid-April. For you folks that are in, you know, have your last expected frost in mid-June, you probably don't want to start them this early. It's just not conducive to growing warm season stuff. But what happens is by me planting them several weeks before my last frost, as they start to get so big that they're kind of pushing the row cover off, it's warm enough that I can then take it off. So you need to like think about this big picture of this, right? So this week I am starting my first sunflowers with the intention that they will be, um, first off, they'll stay in my grow room a little bit longer than they will once we're in the season because they, to get that heat to kind of really grow them, get them moving, as well as I'll probably move them out during the day once it's time and then bring them back in at night so they don't suffer. I mean, we went down below freezing last night, right? You don't want them to be facing that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be starting this week. They'll stay in the grow room for however long I have room for them because they're going to need light. Um, and I'm not starting nearly the volume that I used to, right? Because I'm not in production anymore. I'm just trying to paint y'all the picture of don't start more than you can support until the weather is conducive. Um, and then I will plant them out into the garden when they're two to three weeks old. Um, with Sorry about the back noise, y'all. That's my husband's um, company radio that's in our house. Um, and so you have to think about all of these things. So I'm going to start them this week, the week of March 1st. They're going to, I'm going to grow them up to be two to three weeks old. Then we're going to plant them out in the garden into black film. And we are then going to hoop them and cover them immediately to help concentrate and make the most out of the heat of the sunshine and to concentrate the sunshine and block the wind, right? So here's the other part of the equation. Which ones should you grow? Well, my method of madness was, okay, I'm not going to grow that classic sunflower look, you know, the orange petals with the brown disc, because that just screams summer to everybody. And not that we don't want summer, but I have all these cool flower colors, right? So, for me, what I chose to grow, you know, I'm a huge ProCut fan because Pro, the ProCut series of sunflowers, which you can find all of them over on our website, all the different colors, including peach now, which will now um, be joining this early bird lineup. Um, the ones that I start this time of the year, because when you're starting sunflowers, you need to think, what season are they going to be blooming in, right? So this will be you know, spring, Mother's Day, that whole time of the year. So for me, I grew or I started white light. These are all pro cuts. The white light, which is the white petals with the chartreuse and yellow center. Totally awesome. Also the pro cut lemon, which is that soft yellow um, petals with the brown disc in the middle, which was awesome. And then my current favorite pro cut, which has kind of swept me off my feet, is the gold light. That is a gold petal 
with a solid green center. I mean, it so looks like a Gerber daisy, y'all. Then um, the peach Pro Cut is also joining this lineup this year for the early bird special. And then as well as it's not a Pro Cut, but it follows the same growing habit is the Sunfill Green. Sunfill sunflowers, we grow them for their filler potential. We harvest them long before they start to open because they are an awesome filler, y'all. It's the filler we've all dreamed of. You can you can time them out and succession plant them each week and have them to fill out your bouquets or whatever it is you're doing. Everybody loves them too, y'all. The commercial customers, in our bouquet makers do. Um, they're really awesome. So those are the ones that I'll be starting. White light, lemon, gold light, and peach pro cuts. And then I'll also be starting the sunfield green. And I just can't tell you how much of an amazing addition these are to your early lineup of offerings. And here's the other thing, friends, and your your customers won't even realize they're sunflowers, not only because of the great color mixes we're talking about, people don't even realize that sunflowers come in all these great colors, um, but they just, they don't even, they don't look like sunflowers because here's the other thing. So y'all know that I like to grow my sunflowers small, like three to four inches max. Naturally, at this time of the year, even though these guys are what are called day-length neutral, meaning they will grow and set bud and bloom even when the days are shorter, they are naturally smaller at this time of the year. So people look at them and it's like, oh my gosh, what are those little flowers? I mean, mine are usually two to three inches at this time of the year, and that is perfect for what we are actually using them for. Um, so, y'all, this is like an amazing addition to your cool flower lineup. By all means, sunflowers are not cool flowers. They're not cool season hardy annuals, but they take more chill than we give them credit for. So, the way that I plant them, I plant these the same as I plant sunflowers all season long now. My beds are 30 inches wide. And in a 30-inch wide bed, I plant five rows of sunflowers, five rows across the width of that bed. So that means that they're about six inches apart. And then my sunflowers are six inches apart in um, the row. Does that make sense? So there's five rows in the bed, six inches apart. And then in the individual rows, they are six inches apart. And a little twist that I add once we get into the season, you know, as the days get longer, the blooms naturally get bigger. And so to keep my blooms small, one of the little tricks I do in the middle of the summer when the days are the longest is I'll put two seeds in a cell and we do not thin them, and we plant at that very same spacing, and that keeps the bloom small. Once you go small on sunflowers, you will never want a big sunflower ever again. So friends, let's just talk a little bit about some of these specialty color sunflowers, like the white, light, um, and the sun-filled green. 
what you find when you start getting into these like chocolate sunflowers and all these cool bicolors, oftentimes their necks are naturally soft. That's just the way it is. I use a hydrator um, in the harvest buckets of those particular sunflowers, um, particularly when we were harvesting enough that we'd have a bucket of each color. Um, I put a couple of tablespoons or a splash of quick dip. Quick dip um, is a, something that you can dip wilted flowers in to bring them back to life. It's a hydrator. Um, but I learned that tip from a designer that I have sold to for years that is like a 40-year veteran. Um, I was complaining about some of my Rudbeckias um, being wilty. You know, you come out the morning after and they've wilted. They weren't wilted the day before. And she said, just put a splash of quick dip in there. It works great. So, you know, there's the, the unscientific tip of this. And I will also put the link to our quick dip in the show notes. Um, but friends, I want to just say again that if you want to really build a business on profit with simplicity, especially if you're a field grower like me that doesn't have houses and a lot of these luscious, gorgeous blooms that you may be getting intoxicated by right now, I mean, who doesn't want to just walk into the picture of these ranunculus and these gorgeous anemones and tulips? And they are all fabulous and you can sell the heck out of them once you figure it out. But in my situation, I don't have houses. Um, you can grow them in the field, I believe, but it is a lot of work. And y'all, the bottom line is I can grow sunflowers and net the same amount of profit when you start doing the math. And so I have left those gorgeous beauties to the folks that have those systems that can support that. And, you know, I'm just here to say if you don't have houses, there is a lot of wonderful ways for you to also be profitable in business and to grow a lot of gorgeousness um, without risking your neck um, so much because you don't have the protection of structures. All right, folks, um, if you want to learn more about me, um, the Gardener's Workshop, about my courses, um, Flower Farming School, the basics is my course. We have a whole line of flower farm and business courses, as well as um, flower-based business courses um, and some on-demand courses to jumpstart you. Um, head on over to thegardenersworkshop.com. Be sure to grab my Sunflower for the Win webinar. And um, friends, I hope our paths will cross again soon. And thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying my podcast, please review it. That makes your podcast app that you listen to me on show my podcast to more people. And of course, sharing it with your friends is what helps the most. So folks, till we meet again, sunflower on. Ciao.